Hey, I'm Jonathan. I'm Donald. I'm Nikki. And I'm Casey, and we're from Board With Life. And you're rolling, rolling dice and taking names. Blah, blah. Welcome to Rolling Dice and Taking Names. My name is Marty. Hey, and this is Tony over here. And this is episode number 34, Crazy Train. We are still a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. Thank you. It's been about a year now and they haven't kicked us off yet. So fingers crossed over here. And this is going to be an episode that we haven't done in a while where it's just me and Tony. And everybody just probably hit the stop button right there. Well, I think not only that, but it's just a conscious stream of thoughts where we're going to sit there and we're going to just throw it out, talk about things that we've played, things we've had to do recently in gaming. Uh, gaming is starting to pick up around the house. And got you and I both attended our local game club and got to play a couple games. And you got to play a new one out there called, uh, was it Infamy? Infamy? Thank you. Infamy. Mm-hmm. And where was it? I mean, we called this crazy train because I'm sitting here thinking this show, because this is just a conscious stream of thoughts, it's going to be a big old train wreck. Or it could be that we just sat here for 15 minutes trying to think a name of this episode and you and you just said, this is going to be a train wreck. All right, crazy train. Crazy train. And, and where was it? I mean, I thought for sure you were going to go out there and go, all aboard, <laughs> or some kind of laugh. I was waiting on the Aussie, man. I, I, I. Well, yeah, that riff will be used somewhere in this episode, the opening riff. Well, I thought you won't break open the, oh, if we'd gone with locomotive breath, we could have gone with the flute. You know, we could have broke out Rebecca's flute. <laughs> the rock flute. We do the rock flute and get, uh, um, um, oh my gosh, Anchorman. It just left him by, oh my gosh, what's his name? Ron Burgundy. He plays the rock flute. Uh, okay, I didn't like that movie, but I, you knew that already. And you can Oh go my ahead. gosh, you don't like anything that's good. <laughs> Give me something good and I'll like it, okay? So anyway, first off, what we got here is uh, some things that have been going on around the house. You heard us talk about them. Um, we had these big snowstorms here in the south, and you know they shut us down. And I got the opportunity, Marty. We talked about how to teach people games, didn't we? Sure. Yeah, you remember that where you know reading rules and teaching games is probably one of the hardest things you ever had to do? Yes. Try doing it with someone who doesn't speak English. And why were you trying to do that with someone who doesn't speak English? Because I had the Chinese exchange students over. They were staying here. And with the snowstorm, we had to come up with something to do. So I said, well, let's just pick up some very simple games. So I said, let's go back to one of my all-time favorite sorry that oh you give me. Oh, my gosh. What? How in the world are we talking about sorry again in this episode? We just talked about it last episode with the guys from Board Life. Jonathan liked that. Jonathan likes Sorry, and he's going to do an episode on it. So I, I don't want to hear it. It's going to be one of their best episodes ever. Okay. Okay. So anyway, but trying to teach trying to teach games is hard in itself. But when you have that language barrier, even with Sorry, it was like, okay, trying to explain you can split the seven. Okay, what's okay? translate split. Okay. It's just amazing. And, and it goes back, I think, to the whole thing about teaching people games. You really do have to think about how you're going to break down the components and how are you going to explain strategy. Even And it, and it just reminded me of just the struggles of teaching games along those lines. There's strategy and story? Well, yeah. Who to send home? Do I, do I hold this palm back so I can move back four? Okay, you and I, we're breaking out sorry. No, we're not. Why not? See, you, you really need... <laughs> I know you played Sorry with the boys. No, I didn't. We don't own the game. You don't... Oh, I 
what I'm getting you for your Christmas next year. Well, you give it to me, then I'm just going to give it away somewhere. Okay, that'll work for us. <laughs> and then, okay, so sorry, fine, sorry. So then we broke out Yahtzee, all right? Okay. So Yahtzee, fairly easy, straightforward to, you know, roll the dice three times, take the best. Okay, trying to explain the strategy of Yahtzee. I, and I guess, Marty, to me, it's the fact of even the simplest games, trying to convey that strategy, it's a challenge for anybody. And if you find, if you, uh, someone in your game club or someone you play with is really good at that, you need to tell them, Thank you. Well, did, did it have to do with because it was a language barrier, a culture, cultural barrier or anything like that? I don't know if it was so much a culture, but even the language, they were doing really good. They could they could knock out a McDonald's menu in a heartbeat. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> just telling you. But it, it was just amazing to, to have to deal with that. It gave me a new appreciation for the guys standing at the conferences and trying to teach demos of their games, trying to convey those thoughts. So if you've never taught a game or tried to teach a game, I challenge you, okay? It's, it's, well, it's hard. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm sure most people that's listening to this show, obviously they're interested in gaming because there's absolutely no other reason to listen to this show besides that. I think it's our witty banner about shows <laughs> and movies. Is that what it is? I don't play games at all, but these guys just make me laugh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, so I'm sure everybody's had the experience of teaching games, and we've actually discussed before what is the best way to teach a game. Is it you you say all the rule or give all the rules and then and then play, or do you give just enough and get started and teach as you go along? And I think I've said before that I found out with Vanessa, she is definitely the type that look teach me just enough to get me going and then just walk me through a couple rounds and I'll have it by the time we're done, which is true. But then really your first game is a learning game. And I think that probably is the best way to teach almost any game. And then if it's short enough, you play it again. Okay. I I agree with you, but then you get people who, how do I say this? They just, they need it all up front because they think they're going to get the strategy straight away or, and it's teaching strategy. I think is part of teaching the game as well. Uh, I mean, it, it's one of those things, especially in these more complicated games that, that we play, that it becomes a, a real challenge to say, okay, what is the strategy that I need to use here? Because if you're not explaining that, then they're not fully getting to the game. I mean, do you find yourself battling between the rules and strategy? Well, I used to because we do play with a lot of experienced gamers who I would think I need to explain to them what they want to look for as in order to win the game. But I'm, I'm not so sure because a lot of people like to discover that on their own. Mm-hmm. I know personally, I like the aha moment. I like playing a game for the first or second time and getting to a point where I go, oh, here's what I really need to do, you know, in order to have a decent strategy. I like figuring it out on my own. I know it was some of the people that we've played with are, are, are somewhere along the same way. It's like, don't tell me everything. I'm smart enough. You know, I want the aha moment. And I, I like the aha moment myself. All right. So and I understand that. And that's one of those, I think, differences in the various games. You've got to recognize that when you're trying to teach somebody a game, you got to make sure that they understand or or understand how they process the data that you're giving them. Because if, if you don't, and, and I ran into this recently having to reteach Robinson. And it was just, it was, it was a train wreck. It really was. If you had been standing back from the table, you would have said, I need to turn my eyes away, but I can't. Okay. Cause it was just awful. And somebody at the table got snippy. I won't say names or anything, but it might've been me. 
I, <laughs> I don't know. Had everybody played before? Uh, yeah, everybody had played before. But once again, you, you, you mentioned it. You know your level of gamer. Okay. Right. I'm like, okay, it can't. And we've talked about this. It can't be that difficult. There are, there are these, you know, you got to go through this. You got to go through your action plan. You got, you produce your resource, go through your action plan, you know, resolve your actions, uh, deal with the, deal with the weather, straighten or straighten the camp or whatever, you know, rest. It was just everything. I know I got that all backwards, but anyway, it, and if I explain rules like I just said that, y'all people understand why other people have issues with me, but that's okay. <laughs> or it could be like me. It's like, let me just read you the rules for Francis Drake, and then you kind of figure it out as we go. <laughs> yeah, but it comes down to, all right, I, I guess it was, okay, and then I've been playing this game for an hour and a half, and you keep asking me the same rule over and over. Stop it. Stop yeah, it, that, please. Okay, that is that is frustrating to me, too. And sometimes I get snippy because it's like I've already told you a thousand times. But I guess you really need to know the audience of the people that are playing. And for those who don't play a lot of games, I guess you have to realize that you may have to teach it a couple times before you get it. And for those who have a lot of experience, you may find, you know, they're, they're kind of giving you the hand signal of keep going. Yeah, I know how to do this. Keep going. I know. I understand sort of deal. So... I think you just kind of gauge, got to gauge who's sitting there playing with you on, on how you teach the game. Right. And I began to understand it was a lot of strategy around Robinson that they weren't really grasping. You know, we won amazingly enough. We, it all came down to, which kind of surprised me was the roll of the dice on the last storm event on, right. uh, on 11 and I roll and it was my role. And I was like, Oh, we're doomed. I see three winter clouds, three snowstorms coming at me. There goes all the wood. And I rolled just three regular clouds and three rain clouds and no animal. Nothing I believe was, was the thing. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. And we were able to finish building the pile and we were good to go. And I was like, wow, that is unreal. But I, I think it came down. Well, what should we do next? Do we need to? Okay. The strategy in this game is fairly simple. You need to collect food. You need to collect wood for the scenario one. And, and that's really, how do you achieve it? Here are the items. Let's figure this out as a group. Yeah, but I think it would be easier to teach a co-op game than a competitive game. I, I completely agree with you. Unless you listen to War College Reconnaissance. Well, no, I mean, so that that's their thing, right? It's like, uh, it's not, you know, that's speaking of which, some people may want to know what game are we playing tonight so they can be prepared ahead of time. Exactly. And, and you would think that a co-op would be just as easy, or at least I thought it would be. But, I mean, the first time you learn Battlestar, I mean, how you've played, you've played Pandemic, you've played Robinson, you've played, um, you know, well, fuck, I'm going to screw this up. Fire Rescue. Is that it? Uh, Flashpoint. Flashpoint. See, I always think of that. Oh, yeah, Flashpoint. You've played um, uh, Castle Panic or maybe Dead Panic for sure. Dead Panic, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, how difficult was it, you know? Well, it wasn't. Teaching the co-op game wasn't that hard because I can walk through the turn with the person. And explain to them what they need to be doing in a, in as a group. Again, to me, teaching a competitive game is harder. Teaching a Euro to me is the hardest of all because you know how dry a Euro can be and how the mechanics can be somewhat confusing. And then, especially if there's multiple paths to victory. Right there, yeah. Strategy will kill you there. Yeah. I, I agree with you. I'm trying to think of the last difficult game I taught. You know what? Uh, I The first time I played Planet Steam with the family, that was kind of tough to get through. That game has, 
it's a it's a good game. We liked it, but it's kind of um I had to have the rule book open the entire time. There are little some little fiddly rules here and there we had to keep track of, and that was somewhat tough to teach. And that's one of those that once we were halfway through, we were starting to get it, and we need to really play again in order to really grasp it. So, yeah, to me, if you're playing a competitive game, I will teach that differently even than a co-op game. Because a co-op game, I can jump in pretty quick. I can say, I'll be first player on co-op. Watch what I do on my turn. Right. Uh, and that's pretty easy. And then then you guys got to walk them through that and hope you don't hit the big old AP that happens on those so well again on co-op it doesn't really matter i need you to come play pandemic and i won't i'll just watch you just watch you deal with the ap it's funny well then then you almost got to take over a type a role at that point look at you you're 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 saying hey you need to be a type a in co-op game i'm kidding with you i know i'm saying if somebody's dealing with ap then you kind of need, hey, go watch our video. There you go. I'm trying to lead you into that, Duke. I'm trying to say, <laughs> throw it out there for you. But I, I guess to, to sum it up, I get a very good appreciation for... Um, sum it up. To sum it up, to wrap this segment. Oh, the, sum it up. I thought you said summon like S-U-M-M-O-N. No, 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 oh. not summon. Sorry. To sum it up, I, I, it gives me a great greater appreciation for the guys, uh, you know, for for plaid hat games, putting the, um, how to play segments out there. Uh, Rado doing his playthroughs, just them throwing themselves out there to try to teach you that game. And that, you know, it's just amazing to me. I think that's one of the, the neat things about our hobby and everything that's out there. There are resources to help you with that. So, and you can definitely find them. Yeah. Uh, watch it played is another good one. Now what's the game you say you had trouble teaching? To a Robinson or um, yeah, what's that name of that game? Robinson Crusoe. <laughs> the reason why is because there was a whole thread on the uh, Dice Tower about getting on people who say it with three syllables. Gilligan's Island, and I know we and we've had this discussion before, right? So I just jumped in there and and chimed in, um, and I said that, and I said I've I know for me it comes from Gilligan's Island. I had, you know, you can thumb up comments on BGG. Yes. Last time I checked, it was 20-something. Dude. <laughs> so it's like everybody is like, yes, because it's that stupid lyric in the song, like Robinson Caruso. As primitive as can be. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, and Anyway, I, I thought that was funny. Yeah. So Because I was sitting there thinking, oh, I'm sure they heard our show. Cause I, and then sometimes you accidentally say it really fast, like Crusoe, like Caruso, Crusoe. Isn't he like on Miami Vice or whatever that's too? No. Nah, what was the show? CSI Miami. A Miami Vice was Don Johnson. Oh, was that, is, that a C, uh, is that a uh, CBS drama? I don't watch it. Don't even go there. Don't start on me about. I'm not. That. I'm not over fifty five. I'm sorry. I don't watch those. I understand you're not over fifty five because if you were, you'd fall asleep based on those Walking Dead's that have been on recently. But anyway, oh, give me a break. Did you watch this past Sunday? Oh, yes, you I did. Hated this past Sundays. Uh, this past. Yeah. Anyway, we'll go on. So uh, I can't wait till I have to explain as I post it, as we've posted out on our forums over at Board Game Geek. And for those that don't know, just um, what's the easiest way, Marty, to find our um, guild on um, BGG? Is it just go up in the search and put in guild? Yeah, I think you can search under guild and, and look for our guild name. And it's funny because of all the social media or, or ways we're out there with, with Twitter and Facebook and a, and a, um, what do you call it? Blog, website, whatever. Instagram. Oh, definitely. Yeah. You've posted one picture. That's awesome. I still have a Blackberry. Thank you. Oh, okay. Uh, but anyway, so it's, it's 
we definitely get more comments over on that guild more than anything else. I mean, it's really it's really cool. We're getting a lot of people that's in there that who start their own threads. And we chime in, so it seems like we get to communicate with people more through that mechanism than other. And it's interesting because I've seen other shows. It seems like Facebook is their main go to place, or others may, a lot of talking is done on Twitter. So it's kind of interesting. It's it's different for different shows. It was mostly for for me. I can actually get to that site where I can't get to the other sites. So it's kind of strange, but anyway, um, yeah, back from the, I can't, you know, if you read on our forums over there and that you, I bought city of iron when it was on sale at a miniature market and I'm waiting for it to arrive still. And, uh, Mark Kale, a buddy of ours, he let me borrow it. Talk about teaching a hard game. Everything I've read on that. It's going to take you forever to teach this, to get it set up. I'm like, oh, great. So I can't wait. I'm going to dry run on you on this one. That's fine. I don't even know anything about the game. It's your typical deck building worker placement, uh, Puerto Rico style game. <laughs> That's <laughs> It's your typical uh, deck building, resource management, competitive, role picking, you know, yeah, that's funny. Yeah. So what have you been playing over at the house? Anything good? Well, yeah, I did have a uh, couple things. We just finished up. Um, big thing for us is we had this thing. I think I mentioned it before. We're, we really enjoy the Pathfinder Adventure Card Game. And uh, we do our big thing, pizza and Pathfinder night, ordering pizza and, and play a scenario or two. And we finished up. I know everybody else is way beyond us, but we finished up Adventure Pack 1. So the, the core set comes with the base Adventure Pack. There's Adventure Pack 1. Uh, we finished it up. We leveled up our guys a little bit, got them some new abilities, and we started the next one, which is the uh, Skin Saw Murders. And there's uh, looks like there's five uh, scenarios within that one to complete that one. And we played that first one the other night, and it went really, really well. In fact, we haven't lost in quite a while I'm starting to get worried. I'm like, I keep kind of rereading the rules. It's like, are we sure we're playing this right? Are we that good? Or is the game that easy? Because I'm, I'm curious. To, I'd be curious. I need to talk to other people who play it to see if they struggle with it. Because we're playing with five people. And from what I've heard, the more people you play with, the more difficult it is. Or I don't know, maybe we just got lucky and, and our five characters that we pick synergize really, really well together yeah. to, to make it easier. So... I don't know. We still love it. It's a, it's a lot of fun. We love getting to the end of the scenario. And on the card, when you finish the scenario, it tells you what you get. Do you get an additional power feat or an additional card feat or you get a, a random weapon or something like that? So um, it's still a lot of fun. Uh, the only issue I kind of got with it is when you get new adventure packs, you get new weapons and armor and spells that are like level. So this is like uh, level two and you mix them in with the base and uh, the, the uh, number one, um, the first adventure pack. So when you pull out your random weapons, you may not get any of those cool weapons in there. Okay. And I'm, it's like the, the stack of cards are getting so big for the, like the weapons. And you, you have locations, and each location has a certain number of weapons assigned to them. Well, like our last game... You know, I just put in all these brand new level two weapons. Well, none of them were even showed up in any of the, the locations. So none of us got any cool loot in that game. And it's all about the loot. Always about the loot. Well, sure it is because it's exciting at yeah. the end of the game. If somebody got something cool, you can trade off to somebody. It's like, uh, you know, everybody, and, and we, I guess maybe we did really do a good job of kind of, of uh, synergizing a little bit. You know, my youngest son, Brett, he's a rogue. So anything that has to do with ranged weapons, he takes. 
Um, my oldest son is um, into spells. So any cool spells he gets. And then you got uh, my uh, middle son, Travis and Vanessa, who are big brute melee guys. So they get these big, awesome weapons. Like, t- I mean, it's, it's so funny when Vincent gets excited. Oh, my gosh, that's a two-handed broadsword plus one. I got to get that. <laughs> she, and it's funny. When she, she knows she knows no enough about the game. She knows what weapons are cool and what, and what are. She'll get like a little short sword or something and throw it away. It's like, I don't want that piece of trash. <laughs> so that's pretty neat that she's really latched on to that game. So that's, that's neat. Well, she, yeah, she likes, she likes RPGs. So this kind of gives her a little bit of flavor of that. But it's a it's a lot shorter, and it's funny to kind of go along with that. We also tried something else. There's a um, a book that I picked up last year. I believe I don't know if it was on Kickstarter or not, but it was like last spring. It's called Conflict PvP, and it's a it's a game system that's based off uh, the the Pathfinder role playing game. But what it is, it's a well, it's exactly what it says. It's a PvP game. Basically, you you roll a character. Uh, that's that's based in the Pathfinder universe, and you and you go and do battles against somebody else's character, and you do teams, you do like two versus two. So uh, Travis wanted to try this out, so he got the rule book and a basic scenario, and we had there's some pre-gen characters in there, and that was a lot of fun. There's a map that we that we put out. Uh, Travis was the GM. He's almost like the referee. Mm-hmm. We start on opposite ends of the mat, and we end up in the middle, basically beating the crap out of each other. But you do it by using your weapons and your spells that you would normally have in a Pathfinder RPG. But it's more of a, it's just a combat scenario. It's almost like miniature type combat, except with role playing characters. And how it would work is at the end, you're given so much XP and so much money, and you go and buy more stuff to level up your guy to use in the next scenario. The GM is also responsible for throwing out NPCs. He may say, you just turned a corner and this monster pops out, or you just activated a trap mm-hmm. sort of deal. Right. So that was kind of fun. That, we played it through like, for like an hour, and Vanessa really enjoyed that. She got, she got, a, she got a kick out of that. I, and, um, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is the woman who's not into conflict. Yeah, she kind of liked this, though. Oh, get in your face. Well, I kind of find out she she kind of likes the. Uh, I think at one time she was uh, doing a lot of the hands off healer type mage range person, mm-hmm. and I, I think she's found out she likes to give a sword to the face. There you go. Maybe maybe it's that just getting out that aggression. <laughs> that's that's it. I mean, so whenever we face the main boss in uh, the Pathfinder Adventure card game, she's all let me do it. I'll handle this. Ooh. And I mean, seriously, she, she has built up her character to where she has insane melee power. Okay. She rarely loses when she fights. So, and remind me again, when you lose in this game, you, you lose your, are you dead? No. What happens is, is if any, if anybody dies, you have to redo the scenario over again. You have to start over. You have to start over. Okay. Just do that. You just have to do that one scenario over again. That's all. Yeah. I'm s- a, a shop in our area just recently closed and they were selling games at 40% off and they had that box sitting there and I had it in my hands and I was like, ah, no, it's cause I'm like, you know, you're, you're, you've got a great audience. There's no doubt, da- no doubt from that. I mean, but I don't. So I'm like, you know, when would I bring this out? Never. It would take me three years to get through adventure pack one probably. Well, I don't know. It seems like if your uh, neighbors or friends likes co-op, it's a, it's a co-op game. That's true. That's true. Uh, I may have to figure out some way to get get a copy of that and try it out with them. Who knows? 
Ah, uh, man. So, you, okay. So PMP or um, conflict PVP. Conflict PVP. Yeah, which is unique. And if, if nobody's ever heard of that, uh, just go look it up. It, it doesn't have, I think it has a page on uh, Board Game Geek, but like nobody ever posts there. It's like this thing that I found I thought was really cool and I thought we'd play it. And in fact, um, somebody else, well, Alex from War College, I think he actually got the book and thought it'd be fun, but we just never really pursued it. But now that I've played it once, it is kind of slick. Okay. Well, that's, that's neat. Uh, maybe in the many other things that we're doing, maybe I can get the, another shot at that or try it out. I mean, not another shot, try it out. Yeah. I mean, again, to me, once I played through it, it's like, wow, this is kind of like a miniatures game because you got the whole uh, line of sight. It's probably a little less tactical than a miniatures game. But what is nice is, is at the end you do like are given rewards that you can continue to use to evolve and, and, and build your character out. Right. Okay. Well, that's kind of neat. Oh, another question for you. Um, we got to we got to go to the Queen City Game Club, and I showed up with my significant other. That that mm-hmm. that was fun. Literally fun, guys. It was fun. Okay. Don't stop. Everybody, stop mocking me. Okay. I can hear it. I can hear it. Okay. Anyway, you got to play Infamy mm-hmm. uh, with. Um, Jason, Mark, and Chris, how was that? What did you think of that? I, it's one of the games that people suggested that a possible $40 allowance spend should be on. What did you think of it? Um, I thought it was, I thought it was pretty good. The, uh, is it a deck building resource management worker placement type of game again? It is exactly that. <laughs> I told you. RPG. No, RPG. <laughs> Yeah, so hold on a while. I got to remember how, to, how that game kind of played. It's uh, it, it's kind of a sci-fi based game, and uh, the, okay, here's a unique component to it. Um, there's this whole bidding mechanism, where uh, at the at the beginning you have these rolls that are put out, and you bid on the rolls from from um, left to right, and uh, you have some some resources, some sort of credits that you use to place your bid. Now, what's interesting, I think, in this bidding mechanism is I've seen a lot of other games where when you when you make a bid, you don't lose anything for making a bid. Mm-hmm. In this game, uh, I can't remember what the currency was, and I apologize. I'm just going to call it one currency to to uh, or a bid token to make a bid. You have to use a bid token to even make a bid. And so, if I say I'm going to okay, I want to bid five, I have to like turn in a bid token to even say I'm going to bid and then commit five. And then it's one of those things you keep going around the table till the last person that is left wins. Mm -hmm. But if it comes back to me and I want to up it again, I have to pay another bid token. Okay. Now the, the money I commit, if I don't win, I get that back. But those that those uh, uh, bids uh, tokens that I committed to make the bid, I, I lose. Okay. So it's like you got to put a little skin in the game to even bid, which I thought was kind of slick. That is neat. That is kind of neat. I, I really like that. And then um, moving from left to right, whoever gets that role gets to place their uh, – I'll, I'll use worker for lack of a better term because people understand what that is. For putting your, your people out for, for um, um, gathering resources or trying to solve – one thing you're trying to do is, is solve a mission. Mm-hmm. Uh, complete a mission and you have to turn in X amount of resources in order to complete the mission. Or if you want to, you may want to collect, uh, put your workers out to collect certain types of resources to gain some. And the thing that I had heard about the game that I didn't think I would, 
I heard some things I, that made me think I wouldn't like it. And one of them, they said that, oh, you better play with some friends because once you do, you know, when you get away from the table, you may not be friends anymore. And I was kind of worried about that because I really don't like that backstabbing type mechanism thing. After all of us have played, I brought that up. Did anybody feel like it was like a really sort of mean or backstabbing type game? And nobody did. I don't know where that person got that idea from because I didn't feel that at all. There were some things where like maybe you could steal a resource from somebody, but it wasn't that big of a deal. Okay. It's like, I'm going to steal a resource from you. It's like, oh, okay. It wasn't like a, uh, a a diplomacy type thing, you know, where it's like, hey, let's be allies. And then they turn around and stab you in the back sort of deal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's nothing like that. So I was pleasant. I came into the game worried that I wasn't going to like it because of that. But when I left, it's like, yeah, it, that was pretty tame. That didn't bother. That didn't bother me at all. And I definitely play again. Okay. Well, cool. Um, I pro- you, there's probably more backstabbing in my Settlers game going on, Settlers of Catan, than what you had going on. It sounds like it may have been. Yeah, well, that's if they were paying attention and not texting. But if you want to go read about that, <laughs> go over to the board game forum. Holy cow. Unreal. Here. I, we even made a video about it. We made it. It's coming out on the um, breakfast. It actually, it will have been out yesterday. Oh, you already submitted it? Well, no. When this comes out, oh, this is past. This is past us talking. Present us when the day it's released. Yeah, it should it should be out on board game breakfast this week. Oh, okay, cool. Unless I screw up the editing or something, it should be out. Okay, well, cool. It'll also be on our YouTube page if you want to go look that up. We have a YouTube page now if you want to go look up Rolling Dice and Taking Names, and we're going to post all the videos out there. And it may be a little bit longer. Like we may tag on some extra stuff that was cut out. Uh, or bloopers or something like that. So it's whatever you can edit in, man. Yeah, yeah. With the uh, with the uh, board game breakfast, they only give us two minutes, so we have to cut out some of the content to make it fit. Yeah, and I was completely surprised that we were sitting at the table with someone who's never played Settlers of Catan. I was just like, "What? Huh? Really? What? Hey, well, were they a new gamer? No, no, they were not. So, uh, so you do encounter that. So you know. So guess what? We had to teach Settlers of Catan and. Um, that was fine. They they did not want to put the robber thief on a location where the dice would come up very often, and mm-hmm. and that was fine. They didn't want to be mean. I understand. Yeah, that. did didn't you say that irritated you for some reason? By God's yes, you're playing a game. You play to win. Uh, then you better not have played with Vanessa because she never puts the robber on somebody. Like like we said, like we told my neighbors, my neighbors never bring him out of the box. Doesn't even come out of the oh, box. Oh, you don't even put it in the game. Oh, I'm sorry. It's like, what do you, where's there a box on the board? You mean like literally out of the box? Yeah, they don't. I mean, the whole object is, yeah, blocking the numbers. That's what you're doing there. I'm like, man, I bet your Settlers of Catan game is like 15 minutes. So anyway, but yeah, it was. Yeah. So anyway, all right. Well, you want, you want to take a little break here and get geared up for our next uh, topic? I want to talk about a recent RPG we just played. Uh, yeah, let's do that because, um, I need to hear some like cool music or something and take another swig while, while we go. All to All right. Well break. then let's get all aboard. <laughs> well, welcome back. I hope everybody got a quick bio break there. I know, uh, I needed one, but I had to get ready for this next segment, get my notes together, make sure everything's ready to go about this discussion on an RPG Marty and I got to play 
recently that um, came out, you know, a re-release. It's been out forever, right, Marty? I mean, it's been out a while, hasn't it? Um, since last Gen Con. No, I mean, you've seen... Okay, let's just go to the issue. It's Shadowrun. We, we got... <laughs> Shadowrun 5th edition. 5th edition. Out. That's what I'm talking about. I mean, you know, like I was when I was in that game store that was closing, they had 2nd edition. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, I was thinking about the, the edition we played. Okay, it's not midnight and we're recording and, and we're just... We got, we're not in sync tonight. I told you guys, it's a train wreck over here. What can I say? We're having a blast, though. I, 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 yes. Yeah. So Shadowrun 1st edition came out in 1989. So it's been around that long. Right. It is, it is one of the earlier um, RPG systems. And um, like you said, um, uh, or like I said, uh, we tried out the fifth edition. So <laughs> they're up to the fifth edition. <laughs> so what edition are they at? Are they <laughs> five? Five. Okay. <laughs> I wonder if they had previous ones, maybe one through four. I don't know. <laughs> My gosh, man. So anyway, so uh, uh, Lee Shelton, who's a good buddy of ours, came over and he was GMing for us. And we got to do the food fight episode. And um, the thing that I remember when I was at Gen Con and I got to demo the Shadowrun 5th edition while I was there was just how many dice I got to roll. So Mm -hmm. that was amazing. It's just the the (laughs) amount of dice that you get to roll. And we were playing the easy stuff there. So... um, Basically, it was it was interesting. Well, here's the thing. So I've never played Shadowrun before, okay. and so last year um, when Catalyst Game Labs, who publishes the um, the series, now um, you know it's a big Shadowrun for them. Uh, la- big Shadowrun, big year for them last year with Shadowrun at Origins. Uh, they had the pre-release version of the book. Um, I should have bought the book. I did not. It was paperback. I kind of wanted the hardcover. But regardless, uh, that's the first time anybody had played. And the room where they had set up uh, GMs to to play or teach the game was packed. I wouldn't say 24-7, but I guarantee you 18 hours out of the day, it was it was packed. They had to add more sessions, bring in more GMs. The game was that popular. And I didn't realize the huge following that this game had. So that made me very interested in it. Um, aside from that, um, they also were coming out with these other games that are Shadowrun themed. Uh, they're coming out uh, with the game that we uh, that you brought back from Gen Con, a demo of called Crossfire, uh, which is a deck building game. And they're also going to come out with a miniatures game called um, Sprawlgangers. Right. Someday they'll come out with Crossfire. Yeah. Good gosh. Come on. Hey, Randall. Come on, buddy. You could draw <laughs> yeah. on construction paper quicker than y'all boys are doing over there. Let's go. Let's get on the stick here. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, but yeah, so so they got all these other games coming out. So I thought, well, cool. And I think also, too, uh, you and I are into uh, Netrunner, um, which is a cyberpunk-themed game. So here is a cyberpunk-themed RPG. So I thought, well, hey, that, I kind of like that, too. So I always wanted to try it. Well, last year I got the the rule book, but never could find anybody to play. Now, when I went to Mace, our local convention here in Charlotte, Mace, I sat down and, and played a game. I played with guys who had played for years and years and years, and I was very lost. They, they did their best to try to teach me, but I was just somewhat lost. So I want to try it again. So 
uh, luckily, you know, like you said, uh, Lee came and said, hey, I want to do it. I want a GM. They have a quick start guide. They have a digital toolkit that came out that includes that first scenario and some pre-gens. And we sat down and played. And I, I kind of dug it. Really? Uh, I, yeah, I did. Because every RPG I've ever played recently has been fantasy. Yeah. And it was kind of nice to do something that was sci-fi. A little bit different. Uh, okay. So to, in your mind, I'm not trying to... Um, bash on you here but cyberpunk with orcs and trolls and whatever else the characters were here that's that's fantasy ish elves there were elves because i played this shaman elf Mm -hmm. well and they explain all that but i get it i mean it's cyberpunk fantasy i mean it is because there's magic involved yeah i mean you got magic and you but the you got bullets i mean War Machine uh, RPG, which hopefully we'll get to do again. You know, it's got bullets involved. Um, so. it, it it does, but I like the techie stuff. Okay, I like I like the character I had where um, you can hack into things and take control of things. Uh, I just I just kind of I just thought that was kind of slick. And, and I can see I, that. I like yeah. I, I like the concept of your your hackers. You're going out for jobs. Uh, you you know you reach out to your contacts you get jobs basically your goal is <laughs> it's so much like netrunner right you know with a runner you're trying to to get into a corporation break through their eyes steal stuff well that's kind of the same thing you hear as as a shadow runner you're your guy on the fringe who takes jobs and you may be hacking into a corporation trying to steal some information you know so you're playing through an rpg kind of like what netrunner is right yeah well and you got that. And I guess what appeals is the fact that we're living this right now. You know, we're, we're into people hacking and, and identity theft and all that other stuff. So I guess it can relate more than to, oh, I don't know, say a dragon sitting on a perch getting ready to breathe fire at you. What do you do? Here is, you know, you've got to break into a corporation that you're trying to get the intel secrets to pay off the troll brothers over there or something. Okay. Well, <clears throat> there are dragons in Shadowrun. Oh, you're killing me. I did not know that. <laughs> yeah, so in 20 in the, in their in their fluff, the story, it was 2012, 2013, um when magic comes back, the sixth world emerges, uh magic comes back and and dragons are born. And so in the scenario I played at Mace, um at the head of a corporation was actually a, a dragon. Well, did they put a chip in him so they could find him if he gets lost? <laughs> I'm just asking. Okay. Sorry. Um, anyway, I mean, I, I guess uh, for any RPG, I mean, you know, I, I did Dragon Age. War. Um, yep. War Machine. Um, what's some other ones we've done? Oh, good gosh. Have you ever played Pathfinder? Yeah. Oh, we did Pathfinder with uh, with, with um pep um yeah we've done that uh, no that, that that was savage world was that savage world okay so no yeah. i haven't done pathfinder i've read about it but uh, you're right i haven't i see i'm getting them all confused but either way to me i think what was unique was <clears throat> to understand what was going on like any game it was simple look at how many dice you got to roll and if you rolled this you count the number of hits it was elder signish you know it was arkham Hard. it was Five and sixes are hits. So that made it real simple to understand. Um, whereas in our memory, Dragon Age, if you rolled doubles, you got to do action points and da-da-da-da and all this other stuff. So, you know, and you got blowing up dice and Savage Worlds. So it was really, right. it was easy to understand. 
exploding dice, blowing up, blowing up dice, exploding. It's all it's all the same type of physics. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, that's so. There's one thing I did appreciate about the Shadowrun. I like the idea. It's like all right, you, you look at your weapon, and everything. You count up the number of dice you're going to roll. Um, you only have you have a limit to you could hits. I kind of appreciated that. You know, if you roll twelve dice and you get twelve out of twelve hits, well, you theoretically have a limit you can't go above. And as you level up, that limit increases. So even though you may have twelve hit twelve hits, only six of them may count. Right. Yeah, that was kind of neat. And then I like the idea of like, okay, you know, I, I did successfully hit you, and then you got to check against your armor. Did any of that get through your armor? You know, and and if not, if you were stunned, and if it did, it was regular damage. Considering my character was wearing a leather bra, I would almost died. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but uh, so I I I like the whole I like the combat mechanism. Yeah, I like the resolving of the, of the combat and how that's done with with the armor and seeing if you pierce the armor and if so how much damage you're going to take and and whatnot. And and I like it that you know once you roll the attacker rolls once that's it they just kind of sit back. Mm-hmm. And then, and then the defender makes a couple rolls to see, you know, how it affects him. Uh, the The character creation does look somewhat confusing to me. Uh, we've talked about getting together again, uh, like in April, with a a local uh, gentleman who um, is a big Shadowrun player that was at Mace and has agreed to run a game for us. Cool. And um, he's basically kind of going to help us out. So I know that some of the other guys have talked about, well, I'm going to go ahead and try rolling a character, and I guess I will too. And uh, he can possibly help us out as we're rolling the character to make sure we did it right or whatnot. And then he'll sit down, because none of us have experience with Shadowrun. He'll really show us how it's supposed to work to see if we really appreciate it or not. Okay. All I, I, yeah, the, I, character development is always one of my favorite parts or, or starting a new character. I always enjoy that. I, mm-hmm. I, it's, I look forward for you teaching me that because you've got the book and it smelled so good and, and, you know, cracking it open. Well, that's another, that's another thing I appreciate about it is, yeah, there's the book and the book probably costs as much as any other RPG book, but the PDF version of their book is only nineteen ninety nine. Yeah. Now, Compare that with, uh, you know how much uh, the Iron Kingdoms is? The PDF version? No, don't have a yeah. clue. Isn't it? it it's a 30 or 40 or 45 for the PDF. No. Really? Yes. Wow. Yeah. That irritated me. It's like, really? I mean, I can, on sale, I can get the hardback or I can get the, the, um, the physical book. The same price or cheaper than I can the PDF. Okay. So I appreciate Catalyst Game Labs selling it for a reasonable 20 bucks. And there was one mechanism that people, in my opinion, and I'm sure the old Shadow Runners don't mind it, but people of normal from the other RPGs, normal, normal RPGs, yeah, that, that'll get you some fans. Um, from, But that initiative, decrementing, and where people that have high initiative, they decrement by 10, and if your number still isn't above theirs, they get to go again. That was wild. That was wild. I do. I like that. And I didn't appreciate that until we actually experienced how the initiative works. That's pretty slick. So if you got a low initiative and you rolled bad, you may only get to go once. If you rolled uh, less than 10, that round you only get to go once, where other people may get to go multiple times. You're just sitting there. Until you get to roll again. Exactly. So here I am in my shaman elf female laying in the diaper section, bleeding to death, and I can't do squat because they're coming after me and you boys are over there trying to reason with them. What up with that? They just shot me. (laughs) 
they may have had a good reason. We don't know that. We're trying to find that out. Maybe there's something about you we don't know. Man, I'm talking about, hey, hey, little help over here. You're, you're over there. Oh, can I hack into the uh, security feeds? Can I do that? <laughs> oh, and, and then what was it Mark wanted to do? I need to go get my pimped out love machine out there in the parking lot and drive it in here because it's got tech in it. What? Yeah. <laughs> His specialty was drones. He was wanting you to get the drones out of the van. Well, he should have brought them with him. Okay. He should have known that this is a seedy neighborhood. Where do you go without your drones? Okay. We were, we were, we were in a convenience mart. Yeah. Well, anyway, with, with pink and purple and blue goop or whatever. Yeah. That was kind of weird. Yeah, That was, that was different, but yeah, it was kind of interesting to see how that worked. That mechanic of the initiative. That was, that was interesting. I did like that. I like that. So we got to sit down, go and try it again, maybe in a yep. two months, April sometime, if we can find, well, everybody's got to just get it on their calendars. Yep. Yep. And uh, like I said, I think I'm going to sit down and try working on a character. And um, I think the other guy said they were going to probably pick up the PDF and, and see, you know, try their luck at it. Just, just to see how it goes. <clears throat> again, I like the theme. I do like the combat mechanics from, from what we got to try. I mean, obviously we're very, very new to this. So sitting down and playing with an experienced GM, I think will be, will be a good indicator of whether it's something we really like or not. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I'm excited to see the other games that Catalyst Games coming out with, because if they come out, you know, with an exciting, fun deck building game, Crossfire, it'll just make the RPG seem even more fun too, because you'll you'll know the stuff going on in that world. And I'm holding my breath over here. Yeah, I know. I don't know what's taking them so long on that. Still waiting on Leviathans too, aren't we? Yeah, I mean, I'm seeing their original core set go on sale places, so I'm counting on that to come out soon because people are trying to clear their stock. So anyway, but uh, if you if you're looking for a new RPG out there, guys, and you and you can find you a good Shadow Run group, and you're not into that fantasy ask elf dwarf battle axe mace, and you want the the guns and all, you give Shadow Run a, a give it a try. See see what you think. Yeah, it's it's extremely popular. You know, we talked about playing Iron Kingdoms, and nobody plays Iron Kingdoms. That nah, that was that's a shame. I think it's a good system. The the minute the, the world is so fleshed out, but whenever I go to conventions, I mean, the past two or three conventions I did get, been to, nobody's running an Iron Kingdoms anything. Yeah, that's a shame. I enjoyed that. So, no. um, I mean, I see Pathfinders by far number one. I'll see a D and D here and there, and actually because of Shadowrun Five, they have a um. I can't remember what's called SRM Shadowrun something. It's like the Pathfinder Society, but Shadowrun has the same thing. There's a lot of that going on, so it's just a bigger game right now. It, obviously, it's not as big as um, Pathfinder D and D whatnot, but it's it's up there probably in the top five a bit. Mm, I understand that. Well, maybe you and I can run a um, Shadowrun event at the tabletop day on April fifth. Okay, maybe not. Yeah, I don't know enough about it to even try it. So I am not. would not be ready by We then. could do food fight. If we had crossfire, we could teach that. Okay, enough of that. All right, so, all right, you ready to transition to the next segment? Yeah, and I got to get another another drink for this, so why don't you cue some music over there? All right, okay, I got DJ Jazzy Jeff hitting, hitting the beat. Here. So the topic that I'm getting ready to mention here is is kind of was like a 
last minute topic that we decided to add to the episode because I didn't know this till I read it today, but I read online that this is this year is the 25th anniversary of Upper Deck. Now, Upper Deck holds a special place in both mine and Tony's hearts because we were collecting ball cards when um, Upper Deck first started in 1989. And Tony, do you remember the fond memories of going to a ball card shop and plopping 50 bucks down for a, a whole box of upper deck baseball cards? Yeah, I do. And oh my heavens. And we were just so impressed by those cards between the photography and the glossiness. And just like you said, you know, that opening those cards was like doing rainbows, you know, smelling rainbows. That's what a rainbow would smell like. And those cards did. Well, let, let, you know, let's let's talk about what what Upper Deck did for um uh, for that for that hobby. So before that, most of the baseball cards, remember, in wax packs, where you know they were just sealed with a little piece of glue and a wax piece of paper. Uh, top still had you know ball gum. That was some good stuff, man. That was some good chewing. It it, it kind of was. I, I kind of missed it. I almost wish somebody would make that nasty old stale gum again so I could taste it because it, it has such good memories. Um, but, you know, they had those in the packs. Well, here comes this company, Upper Deck, that totally broke the mold. Their cards were not in wax packs. They were in the uh, foils, which were um, sealed, you know, at top and bottom. Typically what you see in booster packs today, that's exactly what Upper Deck, I don't know if they started it, but they had to be one of the early ones. Because I don't remember, Don Russ didn't do it, Fleer didn't do it, Tops didn't do it. Uh, and S- Score followed up, but they came out with the um, plasticky pack, not the foil pack. Yes, yes. And it, you're right, Score was around that time and they did do it the same way. So it was sealed on both ends. You you opened the pack, there was no gum, so there was that that wasn't that nasty stain that was on the very last card where the gum was, and that stunk if it was a special rookie card or something. And you're right, the art on the card and the card uh, stock that was used for those baseball cards was phenomenal. I remember they used to promote, I can't remember what it was like, uh, UV, um, uh, what was it called? UV something. They treated it some UV way and it had the little upper deck hologram, you know, in the corner of it that nobody else was doing. I mean, they were primo cards and they were also primo price because at the time you and I were buying, um, boxes of like tops. You could get them at like, um, it wasn't Costco or Sam's. What was it back then? Was it Pace? Pace, Pace warehouse. Wow. Wow. Look at you pull that out. Nice. Um, but remember, you could buy those like remember, 15, 20 bucks a box. Yes. Uh, they were really cheap. Here, you were spending upwards of 50, 55 a box. And they were, you know, you used to get a pack of Tops or Fleer Don Rust for less than a buck a pack. And here you were paying, I can't remember, was it a buck 50, buck 75? It was, it was up there. Yeah. And I'll be honest with you, we could go on and on about this and we don't want to waste too much time here, but the, the Holy Grail of course was the King Griffey Jr. card. That was, that was the card. That was it. And I remember that our roommate, Lucky Horseshoe up his butt, pulled like three of those out. Every time he bought a pack of Upper Deck, he he pulled a King Griffey Jr. Now, at that time, it was a primo card uh, worth well over 100 bucks. Yes. Um, it's not now, um, but it was a high-priced card. I wish we would have sold them back then when the opportunity to. Yes. But we thought, no, let's keep it because we'll pay for our kids' college well, as our kids go to college this year. Yeah, not so much. And all those baseball cards are worthless 
worthless because, well, anyway, because, you know, the, the, the whole thing just tanked, you know. So Upper Deck got their start in ball cards, and over the years they have moved into other things. They moved into memorabilia cards, but most, uh, and then not most recently, but then they got into gaming. And one of the games that Tony and I actually played, again, this is why Upper Deck was kind of uh, important to us, was the World of Warcraft card game. Uh, they, um, uh, we were playing World of Warcraft at the time. We were into games at the time. And Upper Deck says, guess what? We're going to come out with a game based on World of Warcraft, a CCG. And we were all over it like flies on stink. Yes, because we, we couldn't do Yu- Yu-Gi-Oh. We just didn't do that. No, no. And they, they do Yu-Gi-Oh. But but World of Warcraft, yep. and I remember, uh, man, we spent a lot of money on that game. I thought it was a very good game. Um, it was called a, was it a second or third generation CCG because of the mechanics behind it? Oh, I remember what it was, was <clears throat> every card, any card could be um, used as like mana or resource, right. which is totally different than magic where you got specific cards that are used as resources. So that was a unique mechanism, but we loved the art. We, we had, uh, enjoyed that. Well, they eventually dropped that license and they don't have that anymore. They don't even have Ugio anymore. And then I guess what, about a year and a half, two years ago, they came out with Marvel legendary. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, which is their deck building game. So they've kind of left the season. Wait a minute. Who, who made the verses? Who made the verses? Oh, was it WizKids or upper deck? Versus wasn't no, WizKids, no. was it? No. I. Uh, anyway, keep going. Keep going. Um. So yeah. So so they've now entered into the hobby market with the Marvel Legendary, and that's been pretty successful. They've released a couple expansions, and they're they're getting ready to come out with a is Alien Predators right uh, version of that game where it's going to work with uh, Legendary, and so. Uh, I think it's really cool that this that this uh, company's been around for 25 years has kind of morphed. If it had stayed just in baseball cards, it still wouldn't be around today because that market tanked. They're not even doing baseball cards anymore, I don't think. They're doing like a – they released a set in the fall, but they lost their license with the Major League Baseball, but they still have it with the Baseball Players Association. I think they do NHL. Uh, they used to do everything, but they don't have all those licenses anymore. Right. And I mean, and that's where they really go back. You said 89 baseball, the 90 to 91 hockey. And do you still have your Looney Tunes cards from Upper Deck? No, I totally forgot about those. I'm sure they're somewhere. Okay. Well, anyway, but yeah, you're, you're right. They, they did the Marvel and now they've got legendary and you were right. Versus was done by Upper Deck as well. Uh, World of Warcraft. All I mean, they're dabbling everywhere. I just can't believe that they're 25 years old. That's that's what blows me away. I'm, it makes me feel really old. But anyway, they interviewed uh, the people, um, uh, one of the head guys from Upper Deck, and that's and I was reading through his interview, and that's what kind of brought it up. It's like, wow, it's twenty five years old, and it's really neat to see what they've done and 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 what they're um, you know what they're doing again. The, the legendary series has seemed to work really well for them, and I, I hope I hope they hang around for a while. I mean, I, I've always liked that company, appreciate their products. Yeah, that's I just. But if you think about it. I wonder if we could raise a civil suit for them creating our need to chase the rares. Probably so, because <laughs> you're right, because it was basically because of them, the market ended up tanking. Well, and then it was our need, our desire to go out and build and grab, or I mean, build, get, get those, buy those packs, get those rares, get that. And then now where did that lead us? Oh, look, we're now into the Lord of the Rings TCG. I need those rares. I need a complete <laughs> set, you know. All that good stuff. It, we can trace it all back to Upper Deck, 1989, Ken Griffey Jr. It all comes around, man. 
It really does. It does. So anyway, uh, happy birthday or any of our happy anniversary upper deck. We've been with you through thick and thin and we can't see what else. I can't wait to see what else you uh, come out with that you're going to make us spend money That's on. That's right. We've been with them longer than our wives. Well, we're going to try to respect y'all's time, especially after episode 33. Sorry, seems to be the hardest word was way over an hour, but it was an excellent episode. Um, and you know, I need to go out there, Marty, and just see where Board with Life is doing on their Kickstarter. See if they got that guy that you seem to be gaga over on their show. They haven't got they haven't got there yet, but they'll, they'll make it. I think they'll make it. Uh, they're 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 close. So, and it's Rich Summer, okay, who was actually just announced is going to be. It was a pilot for either one of the networks in a in a in a comedy. So we'll see if he gets picked up. He he'll be on another show. Oh, a comedy. Good. I need to add one of those mm-hmm. to my DVR. Because I haven't found really any good ones. Unless you can. Yeah, what? Do you watch Brooklyn, Brooklyn Nine-Nine? I tried to. You know that won an award, right? That won an Emmy. Or I thought you said an award. Anyway. Um, yeah, that's a pretty big award. Oh, is it? Okay. Anyway, so, well, we're, we're getting ready to close out. We've closing out our February at the table question. We're getting, And with this episode, we'll get the next one started up for our March March episode into March episode somewhere around there Marty uh when well, no, uh, it's probably going to be April. April this this is our March episode and and our February March question will be answered hopefully in the next one or or talked about in the next one if me and you can get together and do what we need to do for that episode yes we will do that Yes, we're going to do that. Because guess what we got coming up in this weekend for those? It'll be our past. We got our Android Netrunner Store Championship. I'm all excited. And I think hopefully if what you're saying is right, it could be just me and you. Go team. So, <laughs> so anyway, and you're bringing the dreaded combo. Uh, we'll see how well that does. The, 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 yeah, we'll, we'll see. Well, by the time this comes out, we've been over. It's, this is a fun deck. It's not like I'm trying to win. It's just a fun yeah, day. Yeah, I mean, I can't believe. I mean, I appreciate you playtesting that against me. I didn't realize how n- people feel about the combo, you know, and, and and how that's taken over the the meta game for for Waylon. Oh, I didn't know oh, that. Oh man, yeah, yeah. I just happened to catch a quick blog on it over there, and they were just talking about how. You know, everybody seems there, there's these key cores, and maybe that's where Netrunner is losing out. There's these key core meta that they really need to figure out some way for people to change. And that's a whole nother show. Stop talking about. Anyway, at the table question. Our at the table question What is your biggest pet peeve when gaming? I mentioned one of mine today, and we'll, we'll have it at the um, Dice Tower board game breakfast about texting drives me insane don't like it in the movies i hate it when i'm gaming with people unless you're tweeting about dyson names but other than that it just drives it pay attention pay attention to what you're doing here okay yep uh and actually this is going to be like a twofold thing because um as you may have seen we're starting a series for board game breakfast and we're calling psa player service announcements which basically covers you know etiquette pet peeves or or things that you should not should or should not do while gaming and we have a list of i don't know tony maybe what eight ten um that we got ideas for that we're going to shoot videos for but i'm sure we're missing some so we're curious as to what is your biggest pet peeve while gaming what is something that just annoys you 
um, when you go and sit down to play a game. It could it could be anything um, before a game, during a game, after whatever. What is it that just gets your goat? And my list is long. But that's just me. Well, then good. So we'll have a long series of videos that we can do. Well, that's okay. It's not that long. I mean, texting, yes. And then um, probably, what's number two? Oh, we'll go into it when we get there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We did the one on, uh, if you haven't seen it, we did one on analysis paralysis. It's on our YouTube channel. That was our first one. Our next one that that, uh, should be released by now is texting. We've shot two more skits and um, and we'll have those in the can and we'll have to do our little... uh, talking segments for those. And then we're just open to ideas after that. And so we got a couple out there, but this may help us guide which way that we go. Um, as always, Tony will post this question on the guilds. If it's not there now, it will be there soon. So give us your thoughts. And hopefully I won't do it too early again. I know I, I remember doing it and then, yeah. Okay. Anyway, yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. So um, anything else we got? Um, we got our Netrunner tournament coming up. City of Irons coming in for me. Look forward to breaking that out, reading the rules. What else we got? Anything? I guess um, over the next episode of the episode after that, maybe we'll hear your decision on which game you're going to get with your allowance. Yes, and I just got word um, they're still working on our dice Kickstarter that I backed. Uh, they're still working on that, man. It's almost as bad as or as good as the minion games metal coins futuristic coins thing going on here hopefully he'll get that done soon what's that have to do with the game you're going to buy with your 40 bucks i don't know man <laughs> it's only 10 17 it's not that like anyway, anyway. so i'm really I, I to be honest with you i have not talked to tony about this at all i've seen the list of stuff out there I don't know which way he's leaning, but I'm really curious to see what thought process he used to go through to pick this game that you people are suggesting. You people, I'm sorry to say it that way, that everyone is suggesting. And I'm curious to see what he gets. And I I can't wait to play whatever it is. I hope it's something I like because if not, I'm going to bash it and tell him he wasted his money. I I expect nothing less from you, man. Nothing less from you. Oh, and I just mentioned the futuristic metal coins. We broke those out on Seven Wonders after we finished up a Shadowrun um, game and we were all playing Seven Wonders, which I won and Marty won. Not that we're boasting or anything. Counting. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I was as shocked as that as anybody else. I was like over there fiddling with my coins and I was like, somebody said, the guy who did the score, uh, Marty won. I went, really? I sure didn't see that coming. Anyway. (laughs) I did the same thing on the second game. Really? All he's got is blue. How can he win just having blue? Anyway, but we broke those out. I will have to say that that was so much fun clinking those things around. That was a hit. Everybody was like, these are really cool. We used the coins for the uh, currency for Seven Wonders, so we had a big pile in the middle. And people just love chunking them in there. It's like, chink, chink, clink, clink. I mean, they're really, they're really, I'm really glad we bought those. It's a, it's a great little gaming accessory and a lot more fun to use than pieces of cardboard. Oh yeah, it, it did. It added a lot of fun to it. You used to the little things like that. That's, that was so neat about, it. I can't wait to play seven wonders and, and break out my set and, and just sitting there stacking them. Clink, 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 clink. You know, it was, it was, <laughs> it was great. <laughs> oh man, we should have done that. That's on money. Anyway, for the title of the, of the episode. Pink Floyd, right? Oh God, we're back to the title of this episode again. Well, if, well, it's a. We started out with it. Let's end with it, okay? <laughs> yeah, let's end right now. All right. So, with that thought, just keep rolling dice and taking names.
Sorry, no Batman or Bane or funny accent. It's just me. Follow us on Twitter at Dyson Names. Come join our guild on the Board Game Geek. Come to our website at RollDiceTakeNames.com or subscribe to us via iTunes. What do you mean this is still done with the funny accent? So, how exactly do you pronounce Yahtzee in Chinese? Yahtzee.